So we are talking about sex, God's way, and uh, if you're going to put something on um, social media, please use the sex God's way, hashtag sex God's way, and if you want sermon notes, and I know some of you are going to want those notes, uh, info at bridgechurch.cc. I got to tell you, I think it's wonderful that Valentine's Day is in February because February is one of the coldest months of the year, and it's going to get warm up in here today. Now, we have warned you all, have we not? Have we not told you to today that today is going to be um, pretty open? We're going to probably say some words today that you've never heard in church before. Mm, that was a nervous laugh. I just heard for y'all. Yeah, here's what. <laughs> That's kind of what I just heard right there. Uh, in all seriousness, this is a topic that I've been thinking about and praying about a long time, and I decided to teach on it this month, of course, because it is Valentine's Month, and um, I personally know so many people who are struggling with this issue, both married people and single people. In fact, as a pastor of a local church for most of my life, confusion about how a Christian should view or think about sex is one of the most common issues I have dealt with. I think confusion about sex and the physical relationship, the physical intimacy. You know, the Bible talks about a man and a woman becoming one, and that is uh, not just physically, but it does involve the physical aspect. After marriage, they are allowed to become one physically. And um, I found that it's uh, very confusing to a lot of Christians, and here's why. Because most churches has, have treated this topic as something we can't talk about. At the same time we have treated this subject as something we can't talk about, we have allowed the secular educational system teach our children. We have allowed um, children who aren't brought up in Christian homes to influence our children. We have allowed the secular media to teach our children and to teach us about what is right and wrong. We've allowed secular, godless people to define what a healthy sexual relationship looks like. And the reason that there's so much confusion in the church is because we have felt like we can't talk about this. And we're going to talk about it in the next three weeks today and the next three weeks after today. And I want to tell you that Scott and Sherry, our marriage and family life pastors, they will be bringing the last message, and they will be speaking to single adults and what the Bible says specifically uh, to them. I do want you to know something. Uh, you already know this, but I want to reemphasize it, that sex is not Satan's idea. Sex is not the devil's idea. Sex is God's idea. The problem is that the church has been virtually silent on this topic and has allowed the enemy to convince us that sex his way has to be the right way. The average local church has avoided the subject altogether, or in a lot of cases, the local church has presented the topic of sexual relations between a husband and wife in such a way as to imprison people, even married people, into guilt and shame. They have sent the message, many churches have, 
that all sex is dirty. And if you have questions about it, or if you want to talk about it, or you have issues that you would like to learn and discuss with a Christian about it, you're almost viewed as some kind of deviant person. Again, I say to you this morning, the ignorance of most Christians on how God views sex has opened the door wide to allow our secular culture to define what a healthy sexual relationship looks like between a husband man and a wife woman. And when I talk about marriage in this church, I am talking about a man being married to a woman. I'm talking about that. That's what marriage is. <clears throat> we do not believe that God sanctions any other kind of marriage. Everywhere we turn, everywhere we look, everywhere we go, there are sexual images all around us. The internet is like a raging river of immoral sexual content, information, and images flowing straight into your home. I mean, if you're on a news website and you're just trying to read the news, and I know a lot of you are like me, you have kind of gotten away from the old school newspaper and you're reading your news on your phone, on the right side of your um, screen, on the right side of that website, they've sold uh, all kinds of ads, and if they find out who you are and what sex you are and what age you are and all that, you're going to have all kind of ads that respond to that and try to get you to click on um, things that you know are not spiritually healthy for you or healthy for you in your marriage, in your uh, view of the sexual relationship, all kinds of filthy pictures. And now I've discovered recently that it's not only on the right-hand side of the screen anymore, but sometimes it's on the left and the right, and sometimes I've just found out that it's in the middle of the article. You've actually got to scroll over the nasty article to get to the rest of the uh, article and to be able to finish that. And certainly you know that the enemy... Satan is trying to force this messed up teaching, this twisted teaching about something God thought of. He's trying to make you see it his way. And i got to tell you, from what I read on Facebook and what I see Christians and people who go to church saying, many of them are buying into what Satan has said about sex and what Satan has said about what's right and wrong. And I really would have liked an applause right there. But I'm telling you, I am upset. I am concerned. It bothers me when I see Christians writing things that I know they know the Bible doesn't teach that. Yet they come and they're in church. And I'm not just talking about here at the bridge. I run into people from other churches and I see what they post. And I'm going, where in the world did you get that idea from? Where in the world did you get the idea that that's okay? And I can tell you where because they're reading what's on the internet and they're watching the secular news programs and they're watching all these talk shows and they're not reading their Bible. And when you're saturated in that liberal, anti-God, anti-Christ, progressive, whatever you want to call it, view of the relationship between a man and a woman and that's all you're listening to and that's where you spend your time, then you're going to start thinking like that. I don't care how much you come to church church. And, you, and, and I get in debates now, and I've been in the ministry 42 years, started when I was eight, and uh, 
So, so I, really, I've been in the ministry 42 years. I'm having debates with Christian people now that 10 years ago I would have never had. I would have never had that debate because everybody knew. Everybody knew right from wrong. The longer we live in this culture that we live in uh, and the longer that we ignore the Scripture and the more we want everything to be okay, I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay, everybody's okay, your view is just as important as my view. You know what? It isn't my view I want to share with you today. I want to share with you what God said. Does anybody care what God said about this? Amen. So, entertainment television, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you're looking at. doesn't matter what you're looking at. The news, doesn't matter. They're going to throw it in there. Entertainment television is filled with imagery and language that says, hey, hey, Bridge, hey, Farrell Hardison, hey, all you Christians, all you prudish uh, Christians, uh, listen, man, when it comes to sex, there are no boundaries. And everyone who tries to put boundaries on sex for you is a judgmental prude. They're a killjoy. Any preacher that tries to tell you that there are boundaries on sex, that you can't do what you want to do, and you can't do what feels good to you, then that guy right there, he's just trying to control you. He's just judgmental. He's just one of those Bible thumpers. Don't listen to him. You go to the grocery store, and nearly every magazine or tabloid cover is filled with immoral sexual imagery and text. I wrote this this week as I was getting ready to preach this, and I was at the grocery store yesterday, and I decided to just look and see, and I'm telling you, every other magazine, every other tabloid up there was about something that had to do with sexual content, and none of it was based on righteousness and what the Scripture says. Our culture is so immersed in this messed up view of what a healthy sexual relationship looks like. On one hand, we've become numb to the truth. We've become numb to what we see and what we're exposed to. We've become, to use another word that you've heard, desensitized, where there was a time that things made us blush, and we don't blush anymore. We're not, we don't turn red face anymore. We hear stuff, we see stuff, we read stuff, and it used to embarrass us, embarrass us and it would make us shake our head, and, and now we just read it and go through it because we've become desensitized to it. On the other hand, especially with men, there is an unrelenting war of temptation. Pornography is rewiring men's brains, and now we are being increased uh, we're seeing increased issues with women battling in the area of pornography, especially in novels and writings and movies and things of that nature. Easy access to free pornography is making men incapable of a deep emotional connection with any woman, including their wife. Pornography is not only destroying current marriages, it is destroying future marriages. Our children are exposed to this, to this filth uh, more than any other time in all of the history of mankind. And you talk about rewiring a brain. When a child is exposed to pornography, when a little tender mind and a little tender heart is uh, exposed to pornography... Uh, without God's healing, their life can be permanently and deeply, deeply damaged, resulting in a distorted view 
of what God wants between a husband and a wife. Several years ago, I heard from a child who said this to me with tears in his eyes and embarrassment. He said, Pastor, my dad gets up early every morning and he drinks coffee and looks at porn before he goes to work. He said, he thinks I don't know. He thinks I haven't seen it. He said, but I know his secret. And I just thought about how sad that was. And I tried to reach out to that young man, but he was so embarrassed to talk about it. And we've not been able to talk about it very much since then because he just, he feels like he's telling on his dad. He feels like he is making his, uh, you know, being a bad kid for saying that to his dad. But you could tell he was wounded so deeply. Again, in my 42 years of ministry, I've seen just as much devastation come to people's lives because of destructive sexual habits as I have seen from drugs and alcohol. The problem with this addiction is that it's uh, a silent epidemic. Um, It's growing like wildfire because people are ashamed to talk about it. And uh, where we see the fallout is in people's private habits and in their private struggles, and in their private shame, they're dealing with this. We also clearly see a lot of sexual dysfunction today in marriages. You'd be shocked to know how messed up people who are married and have been married for a long time are in the sexual relationship within the bond of marriage. Many of these people are in church. They laugh and they smile publicly, but the bedroom is a nightmare for them when sexual intimacy is even attempted. So this series, this series called Sex, God's Way, and I know that we're doing the right thing because we've already started getting emails from people in the community, unsigned emails, telling us that this is crazy and messed up. What are we doing talking about this? I'll tell you something. If the church has ever needed to talk about that topic right there, it's right now, right here, today, open and clear. Now, I love those people who send those kind of messages out and don't put their name, you know, cowards. I've done it before, and I felt like a coward when I did it. Amen. Amen. God has a lot to say about sex. You'd assume he has a lot to say since he created it, right? He has wonderful things to say about sex, and he has strong warnings about the wrong kind of sex. There is good sex, there is bad sex, there is fulfilling sex, and there is destructive sex. What most people today in our world are experiencing in their lives is very destructive. So, what is God's plan for sex? Who is sex for? Who is sex not for? How can our sexual desires become so destructive? What makes for the best kind of sex and the most meaningful kind of sex? What does God say about sex and being single? How do I overcome my sexual past and sexual mistakes that I've made? These are some of the questions I know people are dealing with. And our goal in this series is not to humiliate anybody. Our goal is to help you. We're going to laugh. We're going to laugh through this series. you got to laugh when you talk about this topic, don't you? So we're going to laugh. I know I don't usually use humor, but I probably will in this series. (laughs) 
So our goal in this series is not to humiliate anybody. Our goal is to help you. Uh, so bring your friends and family to this series. If they can't attend, make sure they know about these messages online because I promise you something, a lot more of them are dealing with issues in this area than uh, you would imagine, than you would realize. So we want to get the word out that the bridge is not afraid to talk about this topic. Amen, church? Amen. So I heard about a preacher who was going to uh, preach a sermon one Sunday because he was really disturbed. He's down in Florida, and he noticed that the attendants had dropped off at his church, and he started asking questions, where is everybody? And he found out they were going skiing on Sunday. They were going water skiing. And so he was just burdened about it, and he was praying. He talked to his wife about it. He said, you know what, baby, i got to preach. i gotta, I got to preach on this. I, I'm, I'm just really worried about people going skiing. They're, they're gone on Sunday. We're having half our attendance, and, and people are buying all the equipment and stuff, and that makes them feel obligated to use it. And so they're not here on, on Sunday. And if I'd have talked to him, I'd have said start a Thursday night service. But anyway, um, he was telling his wife, so they decided together it needs to be preached on. So he worked and worked and worked, and he got up a sermon uh, that had to do with that and uh, discipline and making sure you follow the disciplines of the Christian life, and he was ready to preach it. And he and his wife have a, had a little two-year-old, and uh, during praise and worship, her number came up. And so she had to get up and go to the nursery to take care of their child, and she ended up staying in the nursery the whole time, so she didn't get to hear his message. Well, during praise and worship, after she had left, God began to deal with his heart, and he really, really felt like God was trying to get him to change his sermon. And the thing God wanted him to preach on was sexual immorality. So he began to think about that, and he's like, God, are you sure? I mean, I've got this sermon up about skiing. How in the world can I switch it? She, he said, just, you, he just really felt like God was saying, I want you to preach on that today. I want you to preach on it right now. There's some people who need to hear it, and I want you to preach on it. So he preached on it, and God really touched him and anointed him, and he preached with great power and authority. And on the way out, his wife comes out of the nursery. Well, she hasn't heard the sermon so she stands right beside him, and one of the deacons comes up to her and goes, Lady, your husband preached one of the most awesome sermons I've ever heard. I'm telling you, God was on him. He preached with such power. And she said, I don't know why he preached on that. He don't know a thing about it. <laughs> she said, he's only tried it twice and got hurt both times. So I hope Millie's in here. I want her to hear this, make sure she gets it right. So we're going to talk to the husbands today. All right, ladies, are y'all good? We'll talk to the husbands today. You men, get your notepad out. And you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see what a man writes down that I said and then what his wife writes down that I said. I bet they hear two different things. So the Song of Solomon, the Song of Solomon is that Old Testament book that teaches husbands and future husbands, some great lessons about how to love your wife and how to express that love in a healthy sexual relationship. Number one, number one. So guys, here you go. Here you go. First thing is I want you to learn how to pursue your wife. Learn how much she loves, values being pursued. Unfortunately, 
women, I understand, have begun to take a leadership role when it comes to the dating scene. And I'm so glad I'm not a part of that anymore. Whether women have taken that role because men are lazy or whether women went ahead and took that role and men became lazy. I don't know which came first, but get this. A wise man understands that a woman wants to be pursued. Why in the world would a woman enter into an intimate relationship with a man who hasn't proven his desire for her? Look in the Song of Solomon with me. Let's look at chapter 7. Look at verse 10. This is the wife talking here. She says, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. I'm going to tell you, you uh, couples out there something. If you will learn to read the Song of Solomon at night before you go to bed, you're going to have a much more exciting life in that bedroom. As I'm telling you, God got real in the book of Solomon. And um, so I encourage you to do a study on that, do a, do a reading on that. Song of Solomon chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 talks about how hard the guy works to get the woman's attention. And he knows the best way to do that is to praise her beauty. Praise her beauty. You know, it's like, uh, how many of y'all remember Hee Haw? Y'all remember Hee Haw? Do y'all remember Junior? Remember Junior samples and uh, what was it, Lulu? And I remember one time she said to Junior, who remembers this? Who, who remembers it? Who, who is like, I have no idea who or what you're talking about. All right, we got some young people here. So Lulu says to Junior, say something to make me feel good. And he said, for a fat woman, you sure don't sweat much. So <laughs> there's some nice things you can think of to say. That probably is not one of them right there, but Lulu liked it. Um, in, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 4 and verse 12, uh, the Bible describes a woman as a garden locked or a fountain sealed. And when you study that passage, when you dig into chapter 4, you will find that this is saying to the man that the woman is not readily available whenever you feel like it. She wants to be pursued. She wants, can I use an old school word? She wants to be courted, courted. You know, man, I remember those days. I mean, me and Miss Millie, I, I'd go to the door and knock on the door. And my understanding is now you send a text and go, I'm out here. And they come out to the car. Man, we were old school, man. I'm telling you, I would go to the door and, and get her. Now, her brother, I hope he don't hear this, he didn't like me very much because Millie was a really good cook. And she lived with him because her mom had passed away. Her and her brother lived together. And um, he took good care of her, fed, uh, or she took good care of him, fed him, took good care of him. And so uh, when he found out I was really serious and she was getting serious about me, when I'd go knock on the door, he wouldn't answer or let me in. <laughs> so I knew it was him. So I knew, I knew there was a girl in the back of the house who loved me. So I stood and waited patiently. And uh, you walk her to the door after it's over, you know, and you give her a little kiss and give her a little kiss goodnight. And by the way, that's what won her over. Uh, when I won her heart, I walked her to the door. She thought I was going to do one of these mouth-to-mouth uh, uh, -mouth resuscitation kisses, you know. She thought I was going to just go way overboard. And I just gave her a little peck. 
And she said she just melted. I do what I can. And when she gets mad at me, now I just walk up to her and do that exact same kiss. Works every time. So a woman wants to be pursued. She's not readily available. Listen, guys, listen, this will help you guys. When it comes to sex, you're like a microwave oven. When it comes to sex for her, she's like a crock pot. There are men looking at me right now going, that's your problem, dude, right there. So microwave oven is, when do men want sex? Right now. You got to, you, I mean, pop us in the microwave, we're ready to go. You, you, got, you got the crock pot, it takes, takes a few hours. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to use a word later. I don't want to use it right now, foreplay, but I, I want to tell y'all, and I got to tell you something, that's probably a, a word you've never heard in church. Who has ever heard somebody say that word in church, a pastor, a preacher? Some of y'all have? All right, well, I don't know where y'all went to church, but it must have been pretty crazy. But um, you, I know what you're doing. You're going, I just heard it right there. Um, so the reason uh, we see in the Song of Solomon the man uh, constantly seeking to get the girl, uh, woman's attention is, um, is that he knows that's how it works for ladies. That's how it works for women. Pursuit, pursuit, courting them. And look, the way he did it was by praising her beauty, praising her beauty. Whether you've been married 40 minutes or 40 years, a woman wants to know, sir, that you desire her. You say, well, pfft, she knows I desire. No, I'm not talking about just like, come on, woman. That doesn't, I'm talking about you being loving to her all through the day. And uh, that leads to her being open to you sexually and vulnerable. She wants to feel special. And you say, well, I don't really know if I know how to do that. You know what the amazing thing is when I hear a guy who's been married a while say that? I want to go, you know what? If she left you, you'd learn how. And before you married her, you knew how. So don't tell me you don't know how. You know how to treat a lady. You know how to court a lady. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that she wants any less of that from you now that you're married than she wanted that from you when you were dating her? It's amazing. It's amazing that, that men drift in that direction. We should have sung that about our marriage today. Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the lover man I was. I made that up. That's a whole different song. It's impossible to experience the intimacy God intended in marriage if you're not sure how your spouse feels about you. A lot of you men out there, I'm telling you guys, I'm trying to help you here. The reason she's not responding and the reason you're frustrated is a lot of times she doesn't know how you feel about her. You haven't told her how you feel about her. You're not pursuing her. She doesn't even know if she's pretty to you anymore. She doesn't even know. You say, well, I'm with, I mean, I'm with her. And, and I mean, she no, no, she doesn't. She doesn't know unless you tell her. She needs to hear that from you. Number two, anticipation. Anticipation. Let's sing it. Everybody sing it. 
Y'all remember that song, Anticipation? That's the best way to ramp up the passion is anticipation. We know how wonderful the physical relationship can be when the man and the woman have been away from each other for a week or so, when they've been away from each other. Um, uh, man, you military guys, I just can't imagine what a blessing that is when you get home. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, and the, all the guys with red faces know who, what I'm talking about. But it's the anticipation. It's the anticipation of coming home. It's the anticipation of coming back together physically. You've been doing uh, maybe Skyping and you've been talking on the phone or whatever. I don't, I don't really know all the things that you guys and gals who are in the military have access to. But man, the more you see each other but you're not able to be with each other, it builds this anticipation and that's a wonderful thing. It's fireworks, baby, when you get together and that's awesome. Solomon also teaches us not to waken love until it's ready. And that's Solomon telling us guys to, to just be patient with your woman. Be patient with her. Your wife enjoys anticipation. Listen, guys, that naughty little wink you give her in the morning, kind of letting her know what's on your mind, deal, that, that deals with her throughout the day. She remembers that throughout the day, and, and uh, you, you just kind of reach out to her in that way. What women uh, do not particularly care for, however, is abruptness when you're reaching out to them. Um, it's important that you understand they want that pursuit that we talked about earlier. They want that anticipation. Food always tastes better when you're really hungry. Isn't that right? Now, I'll eat any time, just like men with sex. Any time, baby. You know, I'm available. But when you're really hungry, food tastes better. And when you've built up that anticipation for the physical relationship between the husband and the wife, um, it is better when you do that. Uh, you need, to keep, you need to keep your sexual life full of mystery and anticipation. Uh, a little phone call with some suggestive, some suggestive talk, some suggestive words, a text, flowers. My wife's not a big flowers person. She says, just give me the money, I'll go buy me something, you know. But um, I still do flowers occasionally. Um, a note, and I got to tell you guys, women love cards, but don't just give her a card. And with this, you know, little poem, uh, roses are red, violets are blue, your nose looks like a B-52, and then underneath that, <laughs> you just write your name. Listen, when you get a card for your wife, don't just write your name, blah, 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 Earl. Come on. You know what she cares about? She's going to read that verse in there, the printed part but whatever you wrote under that with your handwriting, that's what means the most to her. I'll tell you what else means a lot to her. When you, and this is a simple thing, when you're giving her a card, that you go in the printed part and underline the words or the phrases that you want her to understand. Baby, when I read this card, I really felt this for you. I wanted this for us. And so there's that, uh, post-it notes are wonderful, leaving little post-it notes for them to find on the dash of their car or on the mirror where they get dressed every morning. I'll tell you another thing that, um, and I don't know any other language to use here than to use the language I'm going to use, but if, uh, if you want your wife to become interested in a physical uh, coming together, I started to say turned on, but I just fixed it, you know, with all that other <laughs> stuff. So, 
But what causes a wife to be attracted to you? What causes a wife to be open to you guys uh, when, you're, when, when you're trying to reach out to her is, is uh, those little notes and, and also serving her. Serving her. Um, fixing her coffee, bringing it to her uh, in the morning and serving her. Uh, um, uh, washing the dishes, washing some, some of y'all, I'm telling you, if you did that, your wife would pass out. She would faint if you did something like that. And I got to hurry, my time's running out here. But uh, um, instead of turning on the TV when you come into the bedroom with her, uh, light a candle and turn on some Luther. <laughs> and I ain't talking about Martin Luther either. I'm talking about Luther Vandross. Look, when, when, when I got Luther on, it's over. It's over. First of all, she knows exactly why I've got him on. And look, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can do something for your wife in a, like a medical way that will lead, you know what I'm saying? Like rubbing her feet. Go, you know what, baby, I don't have my mind on anything. But I know your feet. I know you've been on your, let me just rub your feet. You know, and you're rubbing her feet, and all of a sudden you bump the radio and Luther starts playing. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Party over. <laughs> Put something nice about her on Facebook. If your wife looked on Facebook and you wrote a sentence, some of you guys wrote a sentence, about how much you cherished her and how much you loved her. And I know some couples go overboard with that, and I've blocked them. <laughs> Amen. I'm like, we got it. You, we got it. But occasionally, occasionally just say, man, I just got the most awesome wife. And talk about the meal she cooked and talk about how proud you are of her. Um, I'm telling you guys. Here's some lines you guys can use. You men need to write these two down. These are two really good ones. Um, you could say this. You must be overdue from the library because you got fine written all over you. That's good stuff right there. When she's washing dishes, instead of not saying anything, you just kind of, you know, they move around when they're washing dishes. You could say, can I have fries to go with that shake? You say, I can't stand preaching like this. Bye. <laughs> Number three. Now, they, some of you guys really need this one. Simmer down now. Simmer down now. <laughs> the Song of Solomon is filled with instructions about this. Foreplay is essential to great sex. Slow down. Get good at it. Get good at that foreplay. Physical beauty is not the most important part of a woman, her heart is, but if you want your wife to be passionate, she has to know you desire her, and that, to you, she's the most gorgeous thing on earth. Take the time to make your wife feel this way. If you don't, she may not be vulnerable to you the way you want her to be. She may not be open. She may go through with it, but you don't want her to just go through with it. You want her to enjoy that time together as well. We're talking about husbands and wives now. 
Men with happy and fulfilled wives view patient foreplay as an essential part of the relationship, the physical relationship. And don't misunderstand me when I say that word foreplay because I know what a lot of you men are thinking. i got to tell you men something. What you're thinking right now about that and what she's thinking is two different things. Trust me. Foreplay begins in the morning. It begins with the way you kiss her in the morning. It begins with um, the way you, throughout the day, communicate with her, reach out and touch her. I see so many men who never touch their wives, never touch them in public. They never put their arm around them. They never put the, their hand on the small of their back. They never give them just a little hug. I'm not talking about being all lovey-dovey, kissy-kissy, but I'm talking about you touching and you making her know that you desire her, that you're, you feel connected to her. Don't, don't wash the I, I know some guy, and we just wash the dishes, and as soon as he gets through washing the dishes, he goes and jumps in the bed and goes, I'm ready. I'll wash the dishes like she owes you something. Simmer down now. Hey, guys, listen to this. Become a student of your wife. Become a student. Study her. Trust me, you'll be one happy dude if you make it all about her and less about you. Find out what it is that makes her happy, what it is that makes her joyful, what it is that she likes and doesn't like. And a lot of you, when it comes to the physical relationship, you're not talking to each other. Some of you guys out there are doing things during the act that she hates. And she's scared to say it to you. So just make sure that you communicate with each other. Number four, enjoy. The human body was made for pleasure. God wants you to enjoy one another. The bulk of the book of the Song of Solomon uh, is how much the couple desires one another and physical excitement they derive from their union. Uh, when we classify all desires of the flesh as sinful, then we have rejected God's plan. And a lot of you were brought up to look at the sexual relationship as something that is sinful, as something that is, is uh, to be not talked about, to be, to be uh, absolutely necessary for the bearing of children or whatever. I, I'm telling you, I've talked to couples as a pastor, and it is messed up what many of them were taught when they were growing up about the physical relationship between a man and a woman. If you're having struggles in this way and, and uh, uh, because of the way you were brought up or because of the way that whole topic was treated in your home or maybe even in the church you went to, then you need to read some books that will set you free. And Pastor Scott and Sherry will help you get the right resources that will break that bad teaching in your life because God wants you to enjoy one another. Sexual pleasure within marriage is God's will for you. Number five, follow the leader. When it comes to sex, a man and his wife are equals. In the bedroom, there should not be one single person leading or always dominating. Each of you would take turns in being the leader. Both partners should have the freedom to express sexual desire and to participate equally. As a matter of fact, the Song of Solomon teaches this not only in the words, but the fact that when you read through the Song of Solomon, there are verses from the wife, and then there are verses from the husband, and then there are verses from the wife, and then there are verses from the husband, teaching us that no one is to be dominant, that everyone shares equally. Number six, spontaneous is sex is the best, so be intentional about planning for it. I know that sounds like a 
conflict there, but the Song of Solomon is all about couples seeking and finding one another. We're all very busy. We all have a lot of responsibilities. If you leave sex until the last thing to do on your to-do list, it probably won't get done. So you have to plan for it. Put it in your schedule. Plan for intimate times together. Let me read from the Song of Solomon, chapter 7. Look at verses 11 and 12. Yes, and yours are too. He's finishing a thought there. My love's kisses flow from his lips to mine. I am my lover's. I'm all he wants. I'm all the world to him. Come, dear lover, let's walk through the countryside. Let's sleep at some wayside inn. Then rise early. I don't like that part, but then rise early and listen to the bird song. Let's look for wildflowers in the bloom. Blackberry, see there's your cell phone right there. Blackberry bushes, blossoming white. Fruit trees, festooned with cascading flowers. Now, notice the last line. And it is in that setting, it is when we've planned for it, it is when we have set this time aside that I'll give myself to you, my love to your love. So this suggests that a man and a woman need to be alone and they need to plan it. No children, no in-laws, no friends. And for this to happen, you have to schedule it. You have to make time for it. So I hope you will. And then finally, number seven, watch out for the foxes. The Bible talks about this, and you're not going to see this scripture come up, but it's the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15. We know this verse. We quote it all the time. The little foxes spoil the vineyard, spoil the vine. Well, it's talking about your sex life. It's talking about your physical relationship. Then you must protect me from the foxes. Foxes on the prowl, the Bible says. Foxes who would like nothing better than to get into our flowering garden. The little foxes. And what this means, it's talking about distractions. For some of you guys out there, you got a problem with anger. And your anger has nothing to do with her. Maybe you don't feel like you've accomplished in life what you should have. Or, or maybe you don't feel like you're where you ought to be financially or where you thought you'd be. You've got a lot of different things going on. Maybe you feel like you got cheated at, at, at your job or, or somebody <laughs> took advantage of you. Or maybe some past relationship you were deeply wounded and you got this underlying anger. That's a fox that can get in your garden and ruin it. Fear, shame. Some of you were sexually abused as children. And you, if you haven't dealt with that, if you haven't sat down with somebody and walked through that and let God bring healing, that can mess up your current physical relationship with your spouse. Resentment, apathy, poor communication. We've already talked about a lot of these things. How do I keep these foxes at bay? You've got to pray. You've got to seek God's face. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to, hey, you've got to work that journal you got to work that journal. You, there ought to be another little section under the personal part in your prayer journal that says, my marriage. And you ought to write underneath there what you're praying for your marriage. And you might have to use code words because you don't want anybody reading your real intimate stuff, but you know what you're talking about. And you can put a little word there that reminds you. Let me, let me ask you, and I'm done. Um, what if, what if we talk to God about our spouse as much as we complain about our spouse? What, what, if we, what if we took the energy that we use in arguing and fussing and fighting with one another, and what if we just use that energy to go, God, I want to talk to you about my husband. 
I want to talk to you about my wife. Now, if you're not married, you ought not be having sexual relations with anybody. But with, with your husband and wife, then you pray for one another in this area. You pray for one another. God, help me to be the man she needs. Help me to know how to communicate to her. And I'm going to talk to the ladies next week, but right now we're talking to the men. Pray for your wives. Help me understand her. Help me know what she's feeling and help me respond to that. You know what the Bible says to you guys, and I'm one of you? It tells me to love Millie the way Jesus loves me. You know how much Jesus loves me? He loves me so much he died on the cross for me. He did not consider his own desires. He did not consider himself. We talked about it in the last sermon. If there's any way, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And so when we treat our wife, when we treat her, we put her first. And I don't always do that. I, I'm not standing up here as some perfect example. I know Millie's going to hear this sermon, and she's probably going to go, did you just preach that sermon, you know? And, uh, and, and I struggle, and I'm selfish, and I, I'm, sometimes I'm angry about things that has nothing to do with her, and, and I have to watch myself. But I will tell you that when I pray for her, you know what? It is hard to be mad at somebody you're praying for. It is hard to, to, to be mean to somebody you're praying for. So guys, pray for your wife. Pray for her and, and pray for your marriage. You, you guys who aren't married yet or maybe you've been married but you're single again, just pray that, that when that relationship comes and when you go into that relationship, God, help me to be the man. Help me to be the Savior Help me to be the redeemer. Help me to be the example. Help me to be all she needs. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to need God's help. You're going to need God's help because we're prone to wonder. We're prone to make it all about us. So we have to pray and say, God, help me to know how to love her. Because if you will love her during the day, there will be no problems with the love at night. I promise you. But this is what God is saying to us today, and I receive this word. Do you receive this word today? How many of you know this needs to be talked about in the house of God? It needs to be preached on. Let's all stand, would you?